Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Bergun. Today I've got a conversation with a developer named Dayan Radishich. I've been talking a lot about RPGs over the last uh, year or so, maybe longer than that in some ways, but um, I wanted to talk to Dayan because I guess I could say three reasons. One reason is that he's working on an RPG and I'd like to talk to another developer who's working on such a thing. The other is that he's a solo developer working on pure RPG. Uh, if you read my article about the project RPGs, that's sort of the subset of RPGs that I'm most interested in. Uh, these like simulationist RPGs with a lot of interactivity, a lot of like toy-like values, that kind of thing. Um, but so Dayan's working on a game like that. Dayan's a solo developer, and the third thing is that he's been actually working on it for uh, you know. Uh, well over 10 years at this point. And uh, that's something that I also really appreciate is sort of taking care of an individual game for a very long time. Um, I'm, that's of great interest to me. There was a lot that we had to talk about, I think, in terms of RPG design and what we value. And I thought it was an interesting conversation. Uh, so without any further, well, no, with a little bit further ado, uh, I uh, wanted to quickly go over a couple of things that I have planned for the Patreon. So as you know, this show is supported by Patreon. I am going to now try to be a little bit more regular with how I release podcast episodes. I'm going to shoot for one per month. So that, that I think is reasonable given the other things that I'm working on. In addition to that, when I make articles and such going forward, I'm going to make sure that I uh, send out a version of the article to my patrons first uh, so that they get access to that. Um, there, there will also be a uh, some other things I'm going to do a thing pretty soon with uh, Gem Wizards Tactics. Stay tuned if you're a patron. Uh, I'm going to be sending out a version of the uh, skeleton faction called the Never Ending Party, which will be in Gem Wizards Tactics some point in the next week or two. My patrons, uh, as well as people who subscribe to my newsletter, are going to be uh, the first people to get access to that. So I will I will let you know when that's available. Uh, but yeah, so so I'm trying to do a little bit with structuring the Patreon a little bit more. And anyway, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, as always, you can support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Keith Um And thank you so much for listening. And please enjoy this conversation with Dayan Radisic. All right, Dayan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And thank you for having me. Um, so I first wanted to kind of give people some general idea of who you are, where you're coming from, uh, you know, your background, how you got into indie dev, and that sort of thing. So give us just a basic uh, introduction of your backstory, sort of. Okay, well, uh, uh, I'm a lead developer and a founder of Stygian Software. We made, we made one RPG called Andrea and one expansion uh, for it called the uh, Andrea Expedition. Those are basically our products. And I got into indie dev uh, uh, back in... Uh, I, I started uh, working with the game uh, back in uh, 2008. I started working on my engine back then. And I uh, did it part-time at first. And then in uh, uh, 2012, I uh, started doing it uh, full-time. Uh, as for my background, I'm... Uh, Professionally, uh, like I'm a .NET developer, so that that's what I was doing uh, before I uh, before I got into into games 
I was making a banking software, like uh, backend for banking software. Gotcha. So, wow, you've been working on Underrail for is thirteen years? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the game was the original game was released at the end of, of uh, twenty fifteen. So that's uh, uh, how long? The <laughs> a lot, like seven years working on it. But I didn't uh, work on it alone uh, throughout the development. Later, I, I got some help. Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm also interested to hear about the so how you formed your company and when you first launched the game in 2015, were you a solo? Were you working by yourself, or did you already have help at that point? Uh, no, I, I had the help. That's that's the point when the game was finished. But before that, the game was in early access on Steam, and before that, uh, it was um, you, you could purchase it on uh, Desura. I don't know if you. Remember I do remember. Desura. Yep. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was in alpha funding there, which is basically like early access of, of the Sura. It did quite well there. It was um, highly rated. It uh, had uh, a lot. I, I had a lot of sales there, so the, that allowed me to basically move uh, to full time with it. I At see. that point, I was I was still uh, uh, I was still uh, just one man working on it, and when uh, the game uh, released in uh, early access on Steam. The passing the green light back in the day where, where that was like important. Hmm. Uh, uh, I had a, a lot of sales from early access and a lot of positive uh, like feedback. And uh, at that point, I knew I, I could I could just hire more people and uh, go uh, all in. Yeah, so I'm really interested to hear um, like why why you wanted to make Underrail in the first place, but also I you know. To for a developer to work on the same game for such a long period of time is rather unusual, and it's per, for me personally, it's something that I really appreciate a lot, and I really I want to do that with my own games. You know, um, I have a game mm. that I put out originally in 2014, and uh, we just made a patch for it last month, and you know, I, I I really appreciate that kind of. So I wonder how much of that is for you philosophical. Like, do you believe that games like sort of deserve that or is it just it, it's just practical for you or is it um like why haven't you moved on to make a new game um and why did you start making this game in the first place those are my two different questions yeah. well uh, when talking about the, the original under the base game that i wrote from uh, uh, up until uh, 2015 uh, uh, it, it, it was a combination of like all things like from the practical standpoint I could uh, work, it was something I could work in part-time while I was employed and had the salary from there, had the stability from there. So it had a practical component. But on the philosophical side, I do really believe that uh, uh, ambitious projects like RPGs, like uh, like classical RPGs, it can only be uh, uh, accomplished at least with uh, like one individual, like really small team, only accomplished through... Uh, through like uh, uh, iterative approach mm -hmm. uh, and a long development cycle, and the long development cycle will in the end uh, always give uh, uh, a game an edge against competition, even if competition had a lot of production value or, or whatever, because you you have time to to uh, uh, to test and uh, like uh, uh, try how how the stuff is working and to integrate more stuff, and you have uh, more time to delve into like little particularities of your game 
that uh, that usually don't don't have uh, that much priority when you have like uh, uh, like a development cycle like like three year development cycle you know you have like uh, uh, the alpha phase and the pre-production production like you 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 kind of focus on the big stuff you know mm. the big, big foundational stuff and you don't have like uh, time for the small stuff but when you're like working on it uh like you don't know when you're going to finish it's like open-ended development you can just take a breather and do something that you think is fun or cool in the game and in the long run that that will benefit your game a lot so they're they're both both uh, sides of uh, and there and uh, as for why, why i made uh, uh i was always interested in making video games uh so uh, back in my youth, I, u- I used to make a lot of video games in uh, in the basic language. Uh, mm, like on, me too. The and, <laughs> uh, so about back then, I, I never like stuck to one game, like to, to finish it or make it an actual game. So uh, it was uh, kind of unusual for me to actually now, now looking back to to spend like seven years on a game, like, because in my youth I couldn't spend, like, uh, a month on a game. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I would just, my mind would just move to, to the next, next thing. Uh, I was really excited about the the, the totality of, uh, of game development. Uh, not, not the technical side, but the, the actual product, the actual art of, of, of games. So, and, and when I started working professionally, I kind of... Uh, I, I, I kind of got that uh, discipline to work on one thing for a long time and got a lot more confidence that I could uh, overcome like problems in uh, programming. Because, you know, in my days, when I was growing up, the, uh, and you probably as well, the internet wasn't really a thing that it is now. So you, you couldn't just like go uh, on, uh, I don't know, Google and uh, Google up how to uh, solve some issue with you. Uh, implement some physics or or pathfinding or whatever for a game yeah. it wasn't a thing. so so when you hit like I don't know how to do this I would usually just give up you know back in the day yeah that that one thing that you mentioned about um you know maybe in a way it's one of the few advantages that an indie has over a large studio is that you know we can have the capacity to stick with a game even if it's not you know immediately right out of the gate a huge success you know like these big companies they've spent invested a lot in a game and they have to move on if it's not immediately you know exploding yeah. and and indies yeah. have the capacity to kind of or sometimes they they do if they're lucky have the capacity to keep going and keep pushing it and keep uh, polishing it and uh, over time you know there have been cases where games took off like years after their um after their launch i wonder if you're um, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about how uh, Under Rail has been received and whether you've seen, um, so you said early on with uh, Desura, there was like a big yeah. spike. And then how has it been sort of like since then? Have there been ups and downs on the sales? And has it been like, have there been like good periods and bad periods? What what's What's the, what is it exactly like for you as someone selling this game? Yeah, yeah. Well, for for us, uh, like, uh, thank God, it was just ups and flats. Basically, we didn't really have like downs, like when the game was uh, selling really low. If you exclude the uh, like periods after a big sale, you know, you you mm. can ex- expect that to to go down for a while. Sure. And uh, uh, well, that the first like sales on the uh, uh, that I got in the store, it was uh, like. It wasn't that much, but uh, for me, like uh, being uh, 
you know, a bachelor living on my own, having very little expenses. Uh, it will, it was something like uh, it, it could sustain me for a long time uh, to keep developing uh, the mm-hmm. game. So really helped. And at that point, I decided I would go, uh, I would go full time with it. And I had, uh, I had quite a quite a good job, and it it paid well. And uh, uh, the company I was working, I was uh, treated well. I was respected. Uh, and I didn't really, you know, it's, it's easy to uh, to to uh, to leave uh, uh, that a terrible job, you know. Sure. If you're very unhappy, but to leave like a job which is actually fine, hmm. you know, you, you you don't mind anything there. You don't have any conflicts or anything. That that was kind of scary doing that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, and uh, then I uh, then I. Uh, Went full full time, and uh, I, I don't know. I think it was uh, uh, it was uh, uh, by the end of uh, 2013 that the game uh, uh, the game launched in early access, and uh, we uh, I kind of kind of hit this window of indie game uh, uh, like uh, uh, I, I don't want to call it craze, but like uh, the rise of the, the indie games uh, into the mainstream. For sure. Because, uh, when I started development uh, in the like late uh, 2000s, that was about the time you could see like high profile like indie artsy games uh, breaking through. You know? Oh yeah. And uh, by the time I got on Steam, that was really uh, uh, it, it, it being released on Steam was still a big uh, marketing push for anyone. You know, yeah. you just get released on Steam and that's it. You don't have to do any marketing. You, <laughs> you are like one game in like maybe two or three games that released then and like everybody saw it like i had a banner on the home page before the whole home page was later yeah you know, personalized it was like we had a global banner there yeah uh, i i had uh i had justin ma on this podcast uh the developer from ftl and um into the breach and uh yeah. he said that the week that ftl came out four games came out on steam yeah so that that's like um you're you're for a week or two. You're on. You have your big banner on the main page. Yeah. Know? So the sales went went well. So I, I very quickly I saw that yeah the, I can make this like a real company now. I can hire two more people and uh, like start churning out uh, a lot more content. Like sp- speed up the development. So before we get, I want to get into some like RPG nitty gritty details, um, but I do want to ask before we get into that, like what are your plans for your company and for Underrail going forward? Are you going to, do you intend to keep working on it like basically indefinitely or is there uh, like a horizon that you see or do you have other games in mind that you want to work on or what's the general long-term vision? Yeah, we, we have, uh, I think, uh, two more big, uh, like a medium update that we want to release and hopefully we'll be done by the end of the year. And after that, uh, we won't be doing any major content on the game anymore. Just, just probably just little stuff here and there, because we have a, another project I'm working on, uh, upgraded engine. For, I took the engine from Unreal and I upgrading. I'm in the process of uh, upgrading right now, so we can uh, have like a sequel in uh, in a better engine and uh, have more freedom there. Just, uh, just because some we have some technological. Uh, limitations that that uh, we are taking care of now, and, and improving on, on all uh, really aspects of the engine. Gotcha. So we will be focusing on that in in the in the future. 
Nice. I'm very excited to hear about that uh, future project and on the future updates for Underrail. Um, so yeah, let's get into talking about some RPGs. Now, I understand you read my article on like the yeah. project RPG project sort of concept. So you're familiar with my whole spiel there. And a lot of our listeners yeah. will also be familiar with that. Um, I understand that you had some thoughts about that. And I want to hear what you have to say about those, those, that article. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like the term that you use, like uh, the project. You know, it's like a, like a, a remind me of like a philosophical project. You know, you have this really big problem and the and generation are trying to solve it or something. Yeah. And so, it, uh, in our company, kind of refer to it just to like uh, RPGs or RPGs in a narrower sense. Mm -hmm. Like what uh, what the the actual what is the actual uh, you know the determinable question: What is RPG really, mm -hmm. and, and what what is the purpose? What what, what defines RPG? How how it should be? Uh, uh, how it should function? You know, because you have a lot of games that have RPGs element, RPG elements, and basically RPG elements are kind of just game elements. You know, you you can't like take one element of RPG and say, oh, RPG are this, you know, because that is just really something generic and, and, and other games have it as well, you know, like progression, custom, uh, ability to uh, customize your character mechanically or visually or or a story or a campaign or a simulator world or whatever, all the stuff is in other games as well. So RPG yeah. is, is kind of, uh, has, has something that, that uh, that's particular uh, yeah. Then when in the way these elements are combined, not that elements themselves. So we we talk a lot about uh, what you call uh, call the project, and uh, and basically uh, what is going to happen in uh, with RPGs in the future because we we saw this renaissance and 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 uh, basically this renaissance led to I think the same uh, conclusion and, uh, and it, it met the same end like <laughs> the previous time. Like, like exactly, I think that the history is replaying again. Uh, what we got after the the classical RPGs, you know, the RPGs I would call them the, the classical RPGs, the RPGs that came from like mid '90s to like mid 2000s. We the RPGs we got after that are the exact RPGs we are going to get now. I think, hmm. yeah. and I think we're getting basically those RPGs. So. Uh, so what is what is really the, the the way for RPGs to move forward? And and more, more than any genre, I think RPGs were, were stagnant for a long, long time. And um, and that, that, I don't have an answer on what we should do, but but I have some ideas, and we can go. Out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the 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 essence of the RPG project has always has well has been as as I saw it, especially in the in starting that really in the early '80s, actually with the Ultima series and uh, and then going through up until about 2000 or, or so. Um, I really saw this progression or this not necessarily a progression, but just this working on this like philosophical problem of like, how do we make a simulationist sort of world, an interactive world? Um, and uh, and and then at some point, you know, I think there's another uh, project, a, a completely different project, which is how do we sort of like, you know, very evenly and smoothly, you know, present people with um Kind of like more like movie like 
uh, experiences that are a lot more linear and a lot more guaranteed and a lot less buggy. Um, and I, I sort of see those as the two um, as the two main forces within like RPGs. Is like how much is this really designed as like a nice compu- uh, consumer product? Because like to me, one of the the interesting things about a lot of those project RPGs is almost every one of them when they came out, they were super buggy. <laughs> you know, like because mm-hmm. and that bugginess is because as you know, I'm sure, um, the more interactive and the more edge cases and the more you can like, oh, pick up this object and put this object on this object and combine things and, you know, do all this emergent stuff, the more you run into, well, there's a bug now because uh, we didn't predict this uh, weird interaction. And so I, I think that that's part of it is that like, you know, as the industry gets huge uh, around 2000, especially and going forward, uh, the pressure to just make things that are not going to be broken, that are going to give people this guaranteed experience becomes really, really great. And a lot of the smaller uh, companies that were making those kinds of RPGs either died off or they kind of got with the program and started making kind of more consoleified RPGs. I do see like PC and console as kind of useful terms, like shorthands here, because like a lot of those um, earlier RPGs were on the PC and then a lot of the, you know, more uh, smoothed out, you know, smoothed off edges RPGs are more console games. Uh, yeah. So yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 First part of your uh, like um, uh, dissertation of, of that is what I have the biggest contention with because you 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 kind of uh, set up this uh, uh, I think false dialectic be- between uh, like uh, simulationist RPGs and uh, story based RPGs which I don't think uh, can really be if if we are talking about uh, like classical RPGs those things were never. Uh, never separated from one another. I think that's that's kind of something that uh, came later. You know, you had this this train of RPGs that that really kind of wanted to be uh, like uh, Hollywood movies, like even mm-hmm. you know, and um, they kind of pushed this uh, uh, this uh, story based. Uh, but but it's not not that problem that they are story based, but because how they uh, approach uh, uh, the story. And uh, now you have a lot of a lot of games that are very uh, gone very, very far in the simulationist uh, um, uh, simulationist uh, like aspect. Again, uh, not just RPGs, but uh, uh, I don't think this would be, this was this was something that uh, that was uh, like particular to, to RPGs or that RPGs even even uh, uh, strive towards that. You know, with, mm. with every uh, RPG like, uh, like when. When there was still progress with RPGs, developers uh, try to make uh, more interactive and bigger worlds where you can do more more things and all that. But uh, it wasn't, I think, I don't think ever meant to uh, like uh, uh, replace uh, the, the 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 story uh, like type of RPGs uh, as you as you call them. I think that to have like an RPG, you basically need to have both. You know, you need to have uh, uh, you need to have a, a story, a particular story, you know, with the beginning, middle, and end, and uh, placed inside a, a simulated world. world. Mm. So, so basically, you, you, I, I look at RPGs like you're 
uh, you are taking part uh, into in, in uh, like uh, some novel, some great novel, you know, some great fantasy, fantasy novel, for, for example. And that fantasy novel has the world building elements, and it has like the backgrounds, it has stuff that is happening. Like if you think like Tolkien's novels or something, but it has a particular adventure that that the, that the characters are on, and and they're not. Uh, not just running around like do, doing whatever, you know. Uh, I think that that, that kind of thing, uh, just making a fantasy simulation, while it, it can be fun for a while, I think it is ultimately pointless. And uh, I mean, we have games like that right now. Like we have a lot of survival simulations, like immersive simulation type type games, and those are definitely not what I would call like the RPG uh, project. And I don't think there, there is really a need. That we need to separate these things into the into two two like lanes. I think they, they should be merged and uh, worked on uh, alongside, and they should complement one one another. Because if you have like a, a good story, but you don't have any interactivity with the world or anything like that, you you are not really uh, uh, using RPGs to to their best. You know, you, you could just be reading a. a a, a book that has a much better story, you know, or, or on the other end, if you're just playing some simulation, like, uh, you know, what is what is even the, the point in having, like, uh, uh, working with your character or having your character go through situations, whatever, if it's ultimately all pointless. From, yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. Like, like I, just to clarify, I agree. I agree with all that. I mean, I, I think uh, bringing up the simulation, the pure simulation games, like survival games, like Minecraft or something like that, which really don't have much in the way of a narrative or a story. Um, I agree. Like those are a different animal, I would say. They're they're just pure sandboxes or, or toys, sometimes yeah. I'll call them. Um, and those have their own value. And, and that's interesting and great. But I, it is, I agree, distinct from like the i agree also that like the the project rpg is a sim is a simulation but also has some kind of like narrative you know arc and some some kind of goal um I, that's something that i've been struggling with actually is is um and having conversations with um some people that i talk to about game design is you know how do you how do you bridge that gap in an rpg where you because i think a lot of how you set up that kind of world and how you make it work is by making sure that players are not like min maxing is one way to put it, but like, you know, ruthlessly chasing the goal. Like once you have this goal, a lot of players will sort of see it as like a strategy game almost and like, or like a puzzle and they're just going to like, you know, yeah. like laser into that goal and just do whatever it takes to maximize their stats and whatever else. Um, at the same time, if you don't have that goal, um, you uh, you have this kind of contextless sandbox kind of feeling, which is a very yeah. different animal. So how do you how do you go about um, dealing with that those kinds of issues um, in your work? Well, I don't think I really deal with them that well because my my game is basically a classical RPG on uh, like. Uh... Uh, steroids or something it has uh, spliced uh, in the gameplay genes from from other genres but it's still like basically classical rpg and all classical rpgs basically uh, suffer from that you know you you give player freedom and they they want to get powerful you know and they mm. get powerful and then they mess up with your your uh, uh like the feel and the storytelling of your world and 
and you can have like you gave one example, but you can also have like a RPG with a story, but without really a challenge of needing to 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 become better, to become more powerful. Your characters become more powerful, and you become more skilled in the game to to progress. So, and by doing that, you you're basically like uh, there is no like hero's journey in that because the hero needs to like become stronger he, he needs challenges to overcome otherwise it's just you know we're just pretending that the 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 story in the game is really weighty or whatever because it's not you can just smoke or like fight everything no problem or whatever or like the the action is made or not the action but the like combat and all the stuff is made really easy so you uh, and nothing that uh, that uh, happens like uh, in the story really it gives you that like fright that you are going to uh, have to struggle now. And uh, I think these these things need to be kept in balance. And uh, one of the ideas I, I kind of musing on on how how do you actually deal with uh, power gaining in RPG Be- uh, because it's inevitable that it, that it will happen. And also, you cannot design like the game just for power gamers because uh, they are like a small uh, subset of your players, and uh, you can't just make game like super, super, super hard. You know, mm-hmm. and then okay, now they they cannot overcome the game, and and in the end they they will overcome the game with all those difficulties anyway, and the the other people will won't be able to like uh, go go past the first two levels or something. Yeah. And I think the the way you, you can kind of deal with this is like the traditional way. You, you need to think about how the RPGs, the computer RPGs, came into existence in the first place. So they, they were kind of uh, simulated worlds with a uh, like a, a simulated story and a particular adventure, like um, uh, like uh, uh, pen and paper sessions were. You know, you were placed in uh, inside a, a big world, but you had a particular a particular thing that you need to do. You have some. You need to slay like evil wizard or whatever. So and in D and D session, pen paper session, like you can think of a dungeon master. He wouldn't let you like get away with the stuff you can get away in a single player game. Mm-hmm. You know? If you are going to start like min maxing or something, uh, or try to like brute force your way through his story, he he will not allow it. You know, he, he will make up something uh, more difficult for you. And I'm not just saying, okay, let's just scale every challenge to the players. Sure. But uh, uh, you, you kind of have to think, like, uh, what, what is the, the narrative? What is the point of this uh, uh, this game? Uh, it's not just, you know, you go around and uh, looting stuff and uh, and killing enemies. There has to be some, some kind of experience you want the player to have or... Or some sub, some set of experiences you you want them to have. You just uh, and you, you need to uh, you, maybe we can have some like quasi intelligent uh, part of the code that that is going to uh, try to accommodate players uh, or different different players inside that story. So for example, if you are going to have uh, really aggressive players like uh, murder hobo style. You know, you can just uh, you can make the 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 world more uh, violent and more uh, uh, more uh, uh, like uh, more like themselves. You know, so so they can take a particular path through through the uh, 
uh, to your story where it's really hard and bloody and everything, or if they are like moderate player, they, they get to experience uh, uh, like more moderate uh, uh, stuff. They're more, more like uh, also di- different sides of the mm-hmm. uh, of the game or something like that. But but have like some uh, some intelligence. Uh, not in the sense that it's like real intelligent, but some code that that is going to weigh all the things and uh, think of how how to uh, uh, not to sabotage the player, but to to make their experience interesting and to give context to the things they are doing. Uh, all the games you uh, all the games just uh, ignore uh, a player being super powerful or being super aggressive. I I, I don't think the the, the that that's that you can do anything unless you acknowledge the 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 player is getting to the to that point you know yeah um i i wanted to bring up like um it's something that i've noticed um moving into the world of tabletop games um more is how much of games is sort of like uh unspoken uh like agreements you know there's like a, like if you read the rules to a board game or whatever it says you know it says all these rules and stuff but it never says like don't like flip the table you know randomly or like you know what i mean there's all these things that go unspoken like don't just get up and leave halfway through the game and never finish it or like there's all these like social things that we understand or like you must like we never write down you must try and pursue the goal you know uh and so there's just all these unspoken things and i think that one part of like increasing game literacy which is kind of a big project project for me in general is like yeah, increasing people's understanding of games and how they work and how they should work and how we can make them better and how we can play them better is um, when it comes to something like an RPG, you know, there's a little bit of if you play D&D and you're a player and you know you have your DM across from you, um, there is you're doing a little bit of negotiation in your own mind and thinking, OK, what is it I want to do? But also I'm kind of thinking, like, what does the DM want? Like, what is the you know, what does the DM have planned for me? Like, it's a relationship, you know, and you're kind mm-hmm. of doing a give and take sort of thing. And I think that computer RPGs also maybe like need a little bit of that and most players do give it most players do you know like they understand like okay this is a bit of a give and a take i'm gonna like you know do this like i'm gonna do a little bit of this like uh power uh power playing kind of playing and i'm but i'm also gonna do a little bit of this kind of thing that i want to do and i'm gonna go along with the system for this and and i think that that's that's also part of like sometimes when you get into these like i get into these uh, you know internet art debates about rpgs and you know it's like should they have a goal or not? Because if there's a goal, they'll just, you know, get min-max towards. And some of the answer is, you know, RPGs are meant to be played and understood in a certain way. And it's a little bit like being an actor in a in a stage play, you know, like you you do have a role to play, you know, to use the term from the yeah. title of this genre. And you have to a little bit play ball with that kind of uh, role. And so a little bit of it's on the player, too, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of people that that actually... A play like that, you know, they, they like to role play a bit, you know, like they, they're not really uh, doing every action like they think their character would do, but uh, here and there they will uh, do something because uh, it, it it makes the game more fun. Mm. Yeah, they, they, I, I agree, there, there's a lot of that, but it, the game needs to like recognize the, these things, and also if you if you again if you have a goal uh, with the game that that is not opposed uh, with the game. Uh, uh, having other stuff 
for you along the way that you're supposed to experience or something that the game wants to tell you or some some uh, just just cool experience the game want, wants you to go through. So it, uh, it, it is not like a set intention, uh, those, those two things, you know. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think it's, it, the RPGs need to have a goal. I mean, you have to have some, some kind of ending, something that you are striving, striving for. Uh, but also, like if you if you want to uh, experience more of the world or something, it, it, it shouldn't be always that you uh, need to steamroll over everything. You know, sure. If, if you like, if you are, uh, if if NPCs are just like uh, these uh, loot dispensers, you know, then it does, it makes sense that you just want to go and uh, kill all of them. You know? mm. If there the more stuff that are going on, if the uh, uh, the more uh, narratively and more in the terms of simulation to those NPCs, and if uh, there are many ways that you can play, then you can still work towards your goal, but uh, do it in a way uh, that that would be more fun for you. And if someone wants to go like uh, you know genocidal that, that inside the game, I guess that's fine. But uh, I mean, don't take this out of context. So, but. Uh, but that, that kind of play should be all right if they want to do it. But uh, the game should at least recognize that you know you, you should be you should be treated like like the uh, like the maniac you 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 are playing as. Yeah, I mean that brings up some interesting questions. Like uh, I so I, I also want to talk about some specific RPGs that exist. Um, oh. And I had this recent experience. Um, so I I uh, my just to put my cards on the table, my favorite RPGs ever have been like the old Fallout's, the original one and two, Arcanum. I really love a lot. Um, what else? Uh, Planescape Torment. Um, are those like isometric top-down games. That's really what brought me to your game. Um, more recently, I liked uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, all right. And I'm very excited about Baldur's Gate 3. Um, but uh, And I'd love to get your thoughts on some of those games. But something that happened to me recently. So I'm, I'm not, I haven't been a big Bethesda fan since, uh, let's see, Oblivion. That was the, that was the mm-hmm. one where I kind of jumped off the ship. Um, but uh, I went back just recently and finally played um, uh, New Vegas, which I originally did not play because I was so turned off by Fallout 3. Um, and I was just like, I can't handle... It's just, it's going to remind me too much of Fallout 3. And, but everyone was like, no, 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 you got to play it because it's by Obsidian. And I generally do like their stuff a lot better. And uh, it's like, it's a good one. And so I started playing it. And I recently, I had this experience recently where, um, uh, let's see. So there's like a prison uh, part right in the beginning. And, there's this like you don't have the option to not kill them like you you like there's prisoners and they're they're like breaking out of the prison or whatever and like for me I'm I yeah. you know I'm kind of like I don't I don't want to kill them like that's fine you know like whatever um and and so it was just a good example of and a lot of RPGs have this thing of like there's like marauders or whatever like you know gangsters or something mm. and they're just like chaos chaotic monsters who will kill everything that moves you know yeah, and yeah. and so it's interesting how like uh, like because i think a lot of these rpg designers thought of themselves as like we're just making a world we're not really making a political statement or anything like that but like there is totally a political statement in the idea that like someone who was a prisoner like an, a convict is like a chaotic you know monster who kills everything that they see uh, and so I just thought it was interesting and I wonder how you deal with that in your own work and like, you know, what, what 
if have you ever have you ever had like brushes up with that those kinds of issues in your games? No, I, I don't think so. Not not really. I don't. I think what what is happening there is just uh, they're looking for like a monster faction. You know, monster faction. That, that's sure. what I call them. Something yeah. uh, for there to be like a combat content. I don't think there there are any political statements there. Mm. Uh, there though, it is it is uh, it is kind of kind of weird how uh, you know uh, we see a, 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 in a lot of games now like uh, humans like people are <laughs> that monster faction. You yeah, know? I, I think it used to be that way before you had like actual monster races that were monster faction. Now. Sure. And yeah, from a, like a moral standpoint, it is something that it is kind of disturbing. Maybe and it's, uh, it's more thought thought put into it, I think. And yeah, but I uh, I don't know. I, I use them the same way. I'm guilty of it as well. Yeah, so, no, me too. I, I do this. I I make like war I games, strategy games, political statement regarding that. I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not a pacifist. I think the human conflict is inevitable. And uh, it's unfortunate, uh, uh, like a fortunate property of the, the fallen world. But uh, you know, may, maybe we shouldn't put uh, so much like human human violence in, in RPGs. I, I agree with that. Yeah, well, I mean, like my my thing is like even if one was a pacifist, I could see the argument for putting like the capacity for violence in your game because yeah, yeah. can you really be said to be nonviolent in your game when the game doesn't even support violence? You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> you cannot choose to be like a pacifist if you don't have that option. Yeah, exactly. You're just pacifist by by nature of the game, and that's not. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, coming from some of those games I was talking about, um, so some of them are, those are some of my favorites. Um, how, how if you were to sell someone who comes from an R CRPG background, you know, but they never played your game or heard of your game, how, how would you sell them on this? Like, what is different about Underrail? Um, what is like the, what are one or two, two or three of the things that you're like, oh, you would like this interesting, weird thing about this game? Like, what's, what is, what are the selling points to Underrail? I don't think we have like really like specific uh, weird things. Though you, when you play the game, you, you uh, experience uh, some peculiarities of, of the game. But uh, it's uh, it's kind of a classic RPG set in a, a post-apocalyptic uh, setting uh, that has a lot of influ influence from uh, um, like classical RPGs like. Uh, uh, like System Shock 2, Arcanum, Neriton yeah. Knights, definitely for fall from Fallout as well. So like the, the, the basic, the basis of combat system are similar to Fallout, though, though our system is uh, is uh, like on steroids. We like put that that part of the game like you have a lot more stuff you can use, a lot more abilities. In some way, it borrows from like uh, MMOs and that stuff with the with the older. Uh, uh, all the options, but it's uh, it's it's a game where you you really have to you really have to uh, struggle and learn how how to uh, how to abuse it in order to 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 defeat uh, defeat the enemies and you have a lot of freedom in the way you you go about it. Unlike the the uh, uh, classical RPGs. You, uh, which don't really give you that that much uh, choice uh, of uh, how to how to build a character and how to approach the game. Uh, for, for in, in combat, that is, we we have a lot a lot of options and you can 
you can experience that uh, that uh, uh, both your character progressing in power and you progressing in knowledge and skill in the game will uh, ultimately make you really really powerful and uh, something that you 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 thought you you could never beat uh, you will uh, start beating the kids. So that, I think that's that's a lot of uh, 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 appeal of Unreal that you can make all these different builds uh, and. Uh, and have uh, all kind of uh, uh, play styles. Now, one one thing I, I noticed about Underrail, um, I played it a little bit. I'm I'm sort of getting started in it and playing uh, a bit more of it as time goes on. Um, uh, and I'm really excited about it. It's got really cool systems that are really reminiscent of Fallout, but also, as you said, it does sound like you know, like on steroids, kind of. Um, the uh, I I if, if I'm not mistaken, like either all or much of the game is all underground. Is that right? Yeah, the entire game game is underground. Nice. When it comes to aesthetics, uh, I think the, in the aesthetics Fallout uh, 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 played a huge role. You know, not not so much uh, in the gameplay and the way we design the quests, but. Uh, when, when I was thinking about the setting, the feel of the setting, you know, uh, aesthetically and uh, uh, like musically, uh, and the music like, the, is so yeah, Fallout yeah. style. Well, I, I noticed that. I, I always had the Fallout. Like uh, I, I would open like the screenshot of Fallout and think, oh, uh, how, how do I make uh, player have this feel? Like in the, some military base in Fallout. Like I wanted uh, my game to to look like that. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not personally. I'm not that big a, a fan of uh, Fallout series. It, it, it's. It's. They are good games. I. I played them multiple times. But I'm more. More in the. Uh, uh, more in the camp of uh, like uh, stuff like uh, Season Shock and uh, uh-huh. uh, Neverwinter Nights and uh, uh, Infinity Engine games and and uh, uh, that stuff. And Arcane, I, I would. Uh, I would. I think Arcane kind of. Has uh, has more uh, holistically. It has uh, more than fall, than Fallout, even though it's really really unbalanced. Bug it has all kinds of problems. But just just from the ambition and uh, from from uh, what it was supposed to be, it, it's it's um, I think uh, high about Fallout. Yeah, that's something that the, the we're talking about the RPG project and something that is so central to me to the pro, the RPG project is that sense of ambition. And I wanted to bring up The Outer Worlds. Have you played that? No, no I, I really have uh, like no, no, no love, no tolerance for modern RPGs. Yeah. Can get into that. But uh, well, I, I played all day. I didn't play Outer Worlds. I played Fallout New Vegas and I, I just uh, just don't find uh, don't find it's it's not for me. I have something that would, I would objectively like think it's bad about those games, but even beyond that, those things are just not they do not appeal to me. I don't see them as a, as a part of the same tradition uh, of the classical RPG. They're like something that came out of the the, the tradition later. Yeah, and and that's kind of what I was getting at. I I agree totally. And I think that the big, well, one of the big differences or maybe a fundamental difference is that like the difference in the basic approach, like are you, is this an ambitious, like daring 
new experiment in interactive systems design or isn't it? And like, you know, a lot of these newer ones, like I thought uh, Outer Worlds was like on paper, if you, you know, looked up all the rules to Fallout and whatever. Uh, and it's like, it, it really was like, let's make Fallout 1 again, but, you know, first person and, and real time combat and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and but it just really lacked that sense of like we're trying something we're like trying to achieve something that we shouldn't be able to achieve uh we're you know there there a lot of and that's how it has to be when and that's one of the reasons that i'm so i'm always very excited about indies and trying to lift up other indies is because you know when companies are these huge companies they have so much on the line they can't afford to be ambitious they have to know exactly what they're doing from day one pretty much and um mm. and that's just really not compatible with this RP, this project rpg kind of thing well, back in the day a lot of these companies were much smaller and the industry in general was much smaller and so they could like to some extent kind of afford to fail a little bit more and um, and I think that that's part of the explanation for why uh, these these uh, a lot of these newer games do not seem like uh, the, a part of the same lineage. Yeah, and, and back in the day, you know, the the, the market wasn't so I, I don't know how to put it like uh, solidified like it's now. You know, now you're competing directly. You know, uh, with all the different games that are going to, I don't know, feed more dopamine to players. So you, you have like to be really, really uh, tight with what you are doing. And uh, well, back in the day, like you could just uh, you had so much, uh, so much room to 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 explore and innovate or uh, whatever. And uh, and uh, you you didn't worry about uh, so much uh, like are we going to. Uh, make something that people will uh, love for sure like we want to make something that people will like we won't get frustrated with or uh, we don't want to introduce some features that are going to make people not, not play our games and go back to uh, i don't know dota or fortnite or whatever you know sure so and so now now it's more more like that i think and uh, and i think what uh, happened with all outer world they, they basically wanted to to make uh, new ideas but uh, you know, I don't think New Vegas was good anyway. Uh, it's not not to, not to trash talk Obsidian or anything. I think that they, they they did a good job with what they had. But uh, just like that formula of uh, having like Fallout first person, where I don't know, can you in other worlds can you like pause? Like, can you enter the... Like, it, no, they, they replaced the VAT system with, like, a slow motion system, which is yeah. uh, is even worse, I think. Um, I, I don't know, like, that, that, those things, like... Uh, either you go and be a shooter, or are you going to be, like, an, uh, uh, like an RPG? Are you telling your character what to do, or are you doing it yourself? You know? mm. don't, don't, make, don't mix those two things. You mix those two things. I don't think that that it's a good uh, uh, formula. I kind of knew Vegas was uh, was all right uh, uh, for what they had to work with, like the base game of Fallout, uh, and like you you can make you can't uh, fail to make something better than like the Bethesda's base games, you know. Mm. You, you you would have to work hard to to make something worse. Like you would take Oblivion and uh, and you, you cannot make anything more bland than Oblivion. 
Yeah. Whatever you add is going to be better. You know, and people <laughs> are going to be happier. Uh, you know, and yeah. that's definitely to as well. You know, the, all the mods are the really like popular stuff. True. And and uh, but oh, that that kind of RPG, I don't know. I'm, I'm not interested in that. And there, there's there's also like thing about. Uh, Storytelling and uh, the writing quality and everything. I, I cannot stomach the, the modern modern writing. I think that it's it's done by like uh, really like untalented people that do not understand the medium they are using and do not understand uh, uh, like uh, the kind of stories that fit RPGs. You know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I no. Really like traditionalist in that sense i like like the story about like uh, heroic adventures and and uh, like uh, the games to, to have like a transcendent aspect to them uh, and not just be like okay like you're some mercenary or you are part of some organization just you're know, going and doing you know some stuff because like uh, whatever you know and so something something is like dialogue in those games is literally that you know yeah. Yeah, no, it's I I'm I'm with you on the on the modern RPGs in general. It's 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 been pretty rough. Uh, there's a couple I've been I'm, I'm excited about um uh but yeah, I'm I'm actually curious. I, I want to end the conversation by asking what are you playing? What are you excited about? Are there games coming out that you're excited about? Are there um anything video games, board games that you're playing that you want to mention? Yeah, um recently I, I was playing a bit of the Immersive sim games, survival kind of games like uh, uh, Seven Days to Die and Ark Survival and uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, just just uh, seeing what the genre is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played uh, one good game I played recently is uh, Battle Brothers. Oh yeah, I really like that game. And from the like narrative uh, uh, perspective, it it really uh, blended like the, the classical fantasy. Uh, with like the uh, you know like uh, uh, grittiness and the grim aspect of the world and some more realistic uh, uh, elements, it blends really well be, uh, without it getting like uh, uh, like cynical or something. And uh, it's it's a game also that that has uh, a particular theme that you can recognize. It, it, it's very well done. I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised by that. I don't uh, don't play any uh, uh, modern RPGs. Uh, I I'm not really excited about about Gate Three. On the contrary, and uh, I, one game that I think that uh, that might be good is uh, uh, Realms Beyond. If you heard about it. Oh yeah, I think so. R- remind us what what is the deal with that? It's um, it looks like really a bishops RPG from uh, some uh, German develop- developers. It has like an overall map. It has a sort of a squad-based tactical combat, and uh, it, graphically, it really uh, looks. Uh, it's, it has a, a symmetric graphics and uh, really, really looks uh, nice. Uh, so definitely check it, check it out. Uh, it, I, I think it was supposed to release already, and they had some delays. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, that game, but I don't think uh, like we are going to see. Uh, anything new in the RPG uh, scene uh, in in the following years? I think the Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be a big hit and going to sell really well. 
and uh, that that's basically what is going to be what, what the mainstream RPGs are going to to be in the in the near future at least. Uh, I, I'm hoping as well that there, there are going to be some uh, some indie projects, but uh, I don't know. You know, uh, RPGs are really really uh, hard games to make in yeah. the sense that they have a, a lot of moving systems. They take a long time. It's you really have to be like uh, a bit crazy to 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 uh, try try to do it yourself, or you have to be really really dissatisfied with the state of the uh, or, or what is uh, available. You know, something uh, like uh, with the artistic movements. You know, you you really you really feel that there is something missing, and you go go ahead and make it. But I don't think, like from the commercial standpoint, that there is any reason that this stuff is going to change. Because I think the the uh, the these uh, like uh, these RPGs that we are getting now are sort of equivalent to uh, RPGs that uh, went uh, after uh, after the middle of two thousands. You know, after the like, classical RPG period ended. We got mm-hmm. stuff like Dragon Age and Mass Effect and sure. Fallout, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And we are getting kind of similar games now with uh, the the Outer Worlds and the Baldur's Gate 3 and all that stuff, you know. So it's going to be, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be a, like Dragon Age. It's going to be that type of game. Maybe even, even more of a Dragon Age Inquisition than Dragon Age Inquisition is. Uh, so... I, I I have a little bit, I think, more of a positive opinion about Larian and their games, like uh, Divinity Original Sin and stuff. Like, I think I think those are kind of ambitious in their own way, like their their combat system, for example, and like they're yeah. they're they were surprisingly interactive, like how much you could like sort of do with the environments and stuff. Um, but yeah. I also think at the same time they were shockingly linear. Like uh, that was the thing that killed uh, Divinity Original Sin two for me was I loved everything about it except it was it. It seemed like it was very, very linear. Like it was just like, you know, go to node one, node two, node three, node four and game over, you know. Um, and uh, but in every other way, it seemed pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good uh, and, and pretty ambitious to me. I, I'm not sure. The, I guess the jury's still out about uh, Baldur's Gate three, but they do have like some cool stuff in the combat in terms of like knocking people off of object off of pillars and things like that, like some physicsy kind of stuff, which is I, I haven't really seen that before much in a turn based uh, RPG. Um, so that's kind of kind of neat, but yeah. Other than that, I think it, it pretty much is in that. Yeah, so the first thing is not really a Baldur's Gate game. I don't think it doesn't resemble one. Uh, it maybe it, it has a Baldur's Gate name, and maybe it's a setting the the setting, but it's more not, it more resembles like a Dragon Age game, really, with the, the way the characters are are portrayed and the way the what is the focus of, of the game. Uh, all these these modern games of that type are really focused on the characters and your personal relationships with characters. I don't know if you've seen to, to what lengths they are going to like make you intimate with those characters and how much they they care about. That sort of stuff. That, that stuff yeah. was never really the focus of, of the classical RPGs. I mean, the seeds of that were were already there, but uh, just to, to to that extent, it it was it was more about the. Uh, uh, more about the journey, the, the campaign, the, the adventure, and uh, also just the way uh, the the world is uh, 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 kind of framed. You know, just like from the visual style, 
it does resemble uh, an Infinity Engine game or Bosgate game where they're really more like uh, when you're playing like Infinity Engine game, you're like going through a picture, you know, mm. going through artistic work. Uh, you know, I, I know that they use pre-rendering and everything, but the way they assemble it, it really looked like you're going through really uh, a pretty, really or, or, ornamental uh, illustrated book with really mm. interesting story, you know, and just and then add to it like uh, uh, good music and everything. And uh, when I see like a Larian game, it's it's uh, like more more of a, a technical, more they have a lot of uh, technical stuff mm-hmm. uh, they're investing in, you know, but that, that's that's a whole different type of experience, I think. You know, and if, even if you like make a service combat really good or or, or sure. whatever, that but that really wasn't something that was necessary for uh, Baldur's Gate. Uh, game. I don't know. I and I don't really really like the way the the characters are written these days. Uh, in the, those sort of games, they, they seem really anachronistic. Uh, they people don't seem to have any respect or love towards the genre. You know, they're like writing their a little sitcom post postmodern characters into these games and like uh, Baldur's Gate you, you you had the whole experience even better in Icing Dale 2 you had the whole experience of of uh, uh, everything like from the writing from the aesthetic point everything built or uh, like immersing you like a good book immersing you in mm. uh, in in the game and the story and the adventure you are uh, going on. So the self-awareness, like the fourth wall kind of self-awareness is something that bugs you about some of the newer games? Uh, I mean, uh, not, not really. I mean, do you mean like explicitly they are being... Like, I, I'm not sure. I, like, I, I, th- I think I'm trying to interpret what you're saying. I think you're saying that like with Baldur's Gate or with Icewind Dale 2, that it was very like sincere and it was very um, like committed to this like very traditional kind of D&D-ish um, yeah. world. Whereas newer games, they feel like, yeah, like the dialogue is more modern and more, uh, I don't know. I, I, and there, there's more like jokes that are, uh maybe a bit more modern in their style and things like that um or maybe they're even like self-referential like making jokes about like you know uh use the space bar to blah 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 or something um not not really the like fourth wall deliberately breaking the fourth wall but uh you know the 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 games uh like the actually they are basket games they they Maybe they they try to subvert subvert some uh, like uh, typical fantasy tropes or whatever here and there, but they were basically grounded in that sort of a tradition, you know, mm. that, that sort of a setting. They had a love for uh, uh, for uh, that that uh, that type of uh, storytelling, and when you come across a character there, you can feel like it's a character uh, from uh, from a different time, from a different world. Uh, uh, from a more uh, enchanted world, world, or however you want to put it, like it's, it's kind of a. I don't know if you ever read uh, uh, a talking essay or fairy story. No, but I haven't. It's, no. It's, it's basically, you know, like like a like a sort of not not a real world. You know, it's a fantasy world that that that, uh, that has elements of the real world, but that's not the point. They're not trying to like make it uh, like uh, really dark and grim or. Uh, like realistic or something. Sure. 
uh, while uh, like the characters you meet in, uh, I, I'm not saying about Gate 3 really, but because I'm not following the development anymore, mm. but like the uh, characters from uh, like uh, Dragon Age or something, mm-hmm. it's really a character that you kind of, you're going to meet like uh, on uh, on uh, non uh, non-role playing Warcraft server. You know? Oh, sure, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. going to have like, that sort of attitude, that sort of maybe uh, vocabulary or, or, or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're really not in the... The game has the trappings of, like, a high medieval fantasy setting, but it's really just, uh, like, uh, uh, the, all the characters are have the mentality of, like, modern or postmodern people, you know. They don't they really... Don't really uh, believe in anything that uh, that is used to like decorate that world, you know. Like uh, mm. I don't know in Pillars of Eternity, uh, uh, for example, in the beginning, you uh, I don't know if you played the first game. I, I did. Played I played both of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, I played the first game, and you kind of uh, uh, the beginning you go to the town where uh, you have this lord, right? And the lord is like a, a typical like. Uh, a tyrant or whatever, and there is really no, uh, no any more pretense of anything. That, that, that there's anything good uh, about like the feudal system and aristocracy, and, and like a, a player might uh, like agree with that. But in that sort of a setting, like it's not supposed to be like default that you are uh, like uh, uh, that that you not, you're not supposed to have your character is not supposed to have that mentality like by default. You know, mm. and most NPCs you come across to have that that kind of uh, like disrespect for tradition and from uh, from uh, those things that are supposedly foundational of that type of world. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and they're basically true for me to get immersed uh, in, in that sort of. They're, they're basically all modern people that were just like put in old timey clothes and given an yeah, old timey yeah, language, and, but they're basically modern people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that no, makes sense. They're, they're basically not even given the language; they're just um, you know using the the normal modern. Right. You know, they say so, they say soft A's, so it's like you know uh, the 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 it, it, I, I can't think of a sentence right now, but like my my lord, come to the they like have that weird British accent, and that's about it. Yeah, 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 and that, that's like uh, uh, you're taking really the like the the outer things, you know, the outer garments of something. Sure. Uh, they, they they have the trappings of it, but uh, they don't in in the core they they don't understand what it's all about. It's just like uh, cargo hooting, you know, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, I think, and it was it was kind of always moving towards that direction, even with older uh, fantasy games. But it, it just just uh, to the extent it's manifest in uh, those kind of games, it's really off-putting. Uh, and gotcha. I, 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 you know, I, I just can't stomach it. It's not, <laughs> not for me. No, I get I, that. I would rather play like an old game, even if it's a little bit cheesy, like go kill, you know, like a little childish, like go kill this wizard or whatever. Then yeah, then deal with uh, like uh, sarcastic companions or like some sort of smart asses or whatever. Yeah, like wizardry style. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. All right. Well, we're pretty much out of time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to like uh, plug uh, your game now. Unreal is it only on PC? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, only on PC. Okay. Um, people can buy it on uh, Steam, or GOG. Or uh, was the was the other the, Epic? The Is it on Epic? Store. 
Uh, no, no, not so yet. Uh, the Hubble Bundle Store. Ah. Um, and it has the, the expansion as well. The expansion is really massive. We, we worked like uh, more than three years on the, on the, it's it's kind of old school expansion with really a lot of content. It's not like DLCs. Uh, it's sure. technically a DLC because it's downloadable, but it's in the scope. It's more like uh, like an expansion of the. Gotcha. Of the very cool. Well, thank you so much, um, Dayan, for coming on the show. This has been really cool, and I'm really looking forward to the future of Underrail and what you guys work on next. No, thank you.